story time with Adam Cole back then. So, Chris, as we sit down for this initial episode of Rampage to Uncaged, we were talking before we started recording. What is the lead story coming out of AEW Dynamite? And we, we've got a vote for Brian Cage. We've got a vote for CM Punk. I, For me, I guess my fear is this kind of felt like AEW Thunder to me. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Um like my answer was punk, but it was almost like, well, what else was on this show? Because I mean, honestly, like you've got a main event that's a Philadelphia street fight in Philadelphia. And did you take a look at the crowd? Everybody was just standing there politely staring at the ring. Like, well, I guess we're watching wrestling because nobody gave a shit about Starks versus cage. So I guess for me, the other thing is Starks versus Cage happens and it's like five hours into the show for that live crowd. But I did think the crowd was worth noting. Jimmy T, this was a Philadelphia crowd and I didn't hear them like go against the narrative once. I didn't hear them, you know, like screaming at the promotion of how bad it is. I didn't hear Roman Reigns getting booed out of the building after winning the Royal Rumble. Like, this was the most polite Philadelphia crowd I've ever seen in my life. You took the words right out of my mouth, Jug. I was going to say it was very polite in Philly, man. But you know what? They seemed into it, dude. I, I felt like, look, I was playing it on the surround sound system, so I could hear the crowd pretty well. And I felt they were, they were in the mood, dude. They, they seemed happy, if that's the best way in putting it. You know what I mean? Because they just seemed so happy that AEW's there. That this is not the same Philly crowd that we knew 20 years ago, dude. No way. But yet they tried to cater to the eight or the ECW fans because we all know Tony Khan has this deep affection for ECW. Chris, it's funny because CM Punk was an ECW. You know, like CM Punk born and bred in Philadelphia the way that he would like you to believe after the promo that he cut on AEW Dynamite. I felt like Punk versus Garcia was the hottest thing on this show. And I one thing, I guess, it, it for the channel attitude listeners out there for the Hameen media infidels, the main event of AEW Rampage is the first thing on the show. Like, let, let's go yeah. ahead and establish that right here on episode one. The biggest story on every episode of Rampage is the first thing on the show because they just start bleeding viewers as the, the minutes tick by. Because let's face it, it doesn't start until 10 o'clock on the East Coast on a Friday night. People got better damn things to do. So what would you say CM Punk versus Daniel Garcia? That was the main event of this show. Oh, I definitely think so. And yeah, I mean, this is the way that they've been formatting the show. It's very reminiscent of uh, Saturday Night, right? Yep. Where the main event is the first sh- is the first thing on the show, and then they'll try to they'll try to cap it off with something that they think is going to be similarly exciting. But like one last note on this Philadelphia crowd. I mean, when when CM Punk says cheesecake instead of cheesesteak, and he doesn't <laughs> get a "you fucked up" chant, this is not the same Philadelphia. 
Like, not at all. <laughs> there were some you fucked up chants, though, throughout the course of the recording of this show. I mean, because we've, we've all seen the Kenny Omega Luchasaurus thing, which I, I've tried to defend until I was blue in the face. I mean, they put it over on commentary. Luchasaurus is just too big. He's too heavy. You can't do something like that to Luchasaurus. So I'm hoping that the way that commentary tried to cover that botch, that maybe we can actually get something coming out of it. And the other botch that everybody's talking about is the Joey Janela botch um, during the, the dark match. And I can defend that any day of the week. That was a planned spot. That was a planned you fucked up. That was planned for Philadelphia because if you notice, if you actually watch it in its full context, Janela hurts his knee. He goes to the corner. His valet comes in, gives the dude a hurricane Rana. Janela starts doing jumping jacks in the corner like, hey, I'm not really hurt. That was a planned you fucked up spot. Jimmy T, you felt like the lead story coming out of this show was Brian Cage and the the... I, I guess I don't we'll talk about Brian Cage, but they headlined with the FTW championship. And the thing that drives me insane about the FTW championship is Taz. All right. Because even on commentary, he's talking about how the FTW title, it's a rogue title. This, it can't be governed. It's the FTW championship. And then in the next breath, he's pissed off that AEW hasn't sanctioned the FTW championship and treated it like a real belt inside of the booking. Like, this has always been the problem with the FTW championship. It doesn't fit inside the narrative. How dare you not include it from your narrative? What? <laughs> Talk about contradicting, right? I mean... Why is this about even a thing anyway? I mean, this this should have been dead and buried back in ECW when Taz had it. And even then, it should have been dead and buried. Let's it be honest. It sucked I mean, then and it sucks now. <laughs> exactly, dude. And and that's the problem. I don't know why they talk it up like he wants it sanctioned and he's saying it shouldn't be sanctioned and blah, blah, blah. I don't know what the fuck Taz is talking about, but just get this fucking belt off. Like, seriously, I mean, what's the point? What's the point? And I guess that's the proper place to stop and kind of introduce the show. You are listening to Rampage Uncaged right here, channelattitude.com, part of the Hameen Media Group, hackerhameen.podbean.com. What is it? Hameen Media Group.podbean.com. That's what we've changed things over to. I, of course, am your host. You can call me Dr. Jargo. I'm joined by that other Canadian guy, Chris Ams, and of course, the G-A-G from the PWC. He's my man, Jimmy T. Gentlemen, welcome to your first episode of Rampage Uncaged, presented by the Hameen Media Group. Chris, it's great to actually be working with you. I know we, we've done some shows together, but now it sounds like a regular gig. So I guess, welcome to your show. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've always thought that uh, whenever we've done like guest spots and stuff, uh, we've always had some good interactions. You know, we've we've definitely got um, a lot of uh, what would you say contrarian views to one another. Um, you know, Jargo is sort of famously uh, very much into the Japanese wrestling, and um, <laughs> I call everybody uh, that I ever see from New Japan either Toyota or. Sony or Nintendo or you know some other some other Japanese thing that I can call them. Well, um, let's 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 I, let's try something quick then. Okay. Sure. 
Chris, who is the greatest female Japanese wrestler of all time? Your answer is? Gail Kim. God damn it, you were supposed to say Toyota, and it would have been the correct <laughs> answer. See, man. <laughs> oh, see, you had to go and screw up my whole bit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good, man. The, the that's too good. The third man in the booth, of course, he joins me over at what is currently the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast over at hittingthemarks.com. It's getting rebranded. You can tune in tomorrow for an all-new episode, the final episode of Hitting the Marks as we launch the, uh, the kind of the new brand. He is uh, the SOB from the PWC. He's the GAG. He's my man, Jimmy T. Jimmy T, you thought I didn't do enough podcasts, so you asked me to do this <laughs> one too. So welcome to your new show too. <laughs> dude, I can't believe how many shows you do. You're an absolute machine, dude. Straight up. I'm but, a machine! <laughs> I'm a machine, indeed. But in saying that, man, it's an absolute honor and a pleasure to be finally on the... on. I mean, media, man. I mean, it's been a long time coming, and I'm pumped, dude. I can't wait to get this party started. I mean, we've already started, but let's get Rampage. Let's, let, let's rampage. We're go okay, let, let's kind of just run through the show in order here. We'll hit all the big topics kind of coming out of tonight's show. CM Punk taps out Daniel Garcia in 20 minutes. I mean, it went like 14 minutes, 20 minutes with entrances and whatnot. Guys, I felt like the biggest story here was the return of the Anaconda Vice. We hadn't seen the Anaconda Vice yet since CM Punk had been in AEW. Punk now going back to the long pants. We're trying to figure out the new look of what Happy Phil is supposed to look <laughs> like before we finally get, you know, the bastard heel turn that everybody needs out of CM Punk. Um, we kind of talked before the show, Jimmy, you said that you thought this was Punk's best match in AEW. I would be hard pressed to disagree with you. I thought this match was actually really, really good. Uh, man, it was great. I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. I, look, the only problem I had with this match is Daniel Garcia's selling, dude. I think uh, too much no-selling. Like, even you know, with a knee strike, he totally no-sold it. But I want to say one thing about this kid, man. He's good because he fin someone finally applied the sharpshooter prop properly. And that I'll pop to, man, because it hurts, dude. So I'll give the kid props just for applying the sharpshooter, man. I was impressed. I, I did enjoy the sharpshooter. I also very much enjoy the difference between the sharpshooter and the uh, scorpion deathlock. Hopefully one of these days we can uh, we can get a full-on explanation between Daniel <laughs> Garcia and Sting. That would be rather entertaining for me. I, I get, Chris, the thing that I really, really liked about this match was the pacing. Um, this felt like a CM Punk cadenced match. And every once in a while you see about 15 seconds out of Punk where I'm like, yeah, that's the punk that I remember. That's the punk from 2011 Money in the Bank. But you only get it in about 15 to 20 second spurts. Is he going to figure this thing out? Are we going to actually see the full-on return of CM Punk? Because right now, I feel like this is CM Punk kind of trying to teach himself how to ride the bike again. Yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment of what he's been doing since he's come back to AEW. Um, for instance, you know, there was a lot of people who looked at um, what he did against Darby Allen, and it was um, almost a mirror of Bret Hart versus the one, two, three kid in WWF. I popped um, that. And it, and it feels like a lot of what he's doing right now is sort of looking back 
at uh, some older wrestling and he's trying to reteach himself the fundamentals, you know, how to sell, how to, you know, properly, you know, and I, I think he did a really good job tonight. He sold the knee really well. You know, even when he did that knee strike in the corner, he immediately went to his knee again. Um, I'm seeing a lot of really good fundamental stuff out of CM Punk. I agree with you two. I think this was his best match in season back. Um, it wasn't anything that, like, you know, everybody needs to run out and take notes on this match or anything. But this was really solid fundamentals. Um, and my only gripe about it, sort of along the lines of what you guys were saying, was, like, um, Garcia, to me, he's too small and he has no menace. You, How do you make this guy a real heel? I, I just don't see it in him. His facial animations, everything that he's doing is face. He's got desperation down really well. But you don't want to look desperate as a heel unless it's menacingly desperate. And he doesn't have that. So to me, it was great from Punk. I like the kid. I think he's got a lot of talent. But to me, it just it was a little off. It's not something to write home about personally. Jimmy T, here's my new theory. Here's what we're going to do with Daniel Garcia. You ready for this one? I'm ready. We love factions inside of AEW, and we're, we're anticipating that we're going to get, you know, Happy Phil once again is going to turn into CM Punk. Well, what if, what if, since everybody's loving the Happy Phil Welcome Back Tour, rather than turning Punk heel, let's turn Brian Danielson heel. Right. So like we're going to we're going to get a heel Brian Danielson, which I'm, I'm fully on board for. Right. And you know who Daniel Garcia would go really well in a faction with is Brian Danielson. You want that kind of aggressive. I'm an underdog, but I've got until five absolute dickhead American dragon. <laughs> we're going to bring in the Legion of Dragons. That's what we're going to call the faction. We're going to have the American dragon. We're going to have the baby dragon, Daniel Garcia, and we're going to bring him up in the same light as heel dickhead Brian Danielson. <laughs> You know what? I like that idea. There's only one little gripe I have with that, though, Jago. What's that? It reminds me too much of, like, uh, like Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas. You know what I mean? Oh, come on. Come on. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Come but on. it would definitely elevate the kid, man. And But the only thing is, what I want to know is, right, you got 2.0, right? Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, Garcia is their child. That's what they've said. Don't. Don't, don't shoot the messenger. That's what they said, right? What's up with that and why? Like, I don't get it, dude. Unless there's something I'm missing, I don't have a fucking clue. Is is <laughs> this something from AEW Dark, AEW Elevation, being the elite that I'm just not clued into? Because, Chris, if you remember, when AEW started, Cody told me, Cody told me, all you have to do is watch Dynamite. Everything else is shoulder content. You don't have to follow all of that other stuff in order to keep up with the main storyline, what's going on here. I've since amended that to also include Rampage because, you know, it's on TNT. It's part of the canon. Um, do, do you know anything about the uh, the heterosexual life child of 2.0? <laughs> You know, I literally, like, when I took notes for this show, I'm still asking, who exactly in the fuck is 2.0? I don't know anything about these guys. I don't understand their motivations. And Jimmy and I have been saying since, for the last two years, like, 
every single time they bring a guy up to the, we'll call it the main roster, I guess. Every <laughs> single time they bring somebody up to the main roster on AEW, they do it in such a way that like, oh, you know this guy. You know Powerhouse Hobbs. Like as soon as he came on and we're like, no, we don't. Who the fuck is Powerhouse Hobbs? They're, they, they're, they're making the same kind of mistakes that WWE tend to make now where they're just not introducing guys, which used to be a strength of professional wrestling. This used to be something that basically everybody got, right? I mean, hell, even Glacier got like three months of, you know, videos before he debuted. Like, can we get some videos to tell me who the fuck is 2.0 and why should I hate them or love them? Well, here here's my take on 2.0. Uh, 2.0 are the guys that got released from NXT who are annoying little dickheads that we enjoy seeing get their ass kicked. That's really all I need to know about 2.0. Like, I feel like that is their characters. People complain about, you know, the amount of TV time that they get, but all I see them do is get their ass kicked. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fine with watching them get their ass kicked. Like they have very punchable faces. Jimmy T, what do you think about 2.0? They just brash New Yorkers, dude. Like typical brash New Yorkers. You want to see I'm, them get punched in the face? <laughs> right. I mean, come on. It's like you know what I mean. Everybody wants to see a New Yorker, a brash one, especially get slapped across the face. Right? I mean, come on. I mean, Ben Hamin charges people for that. <laughs> Five bucks, and you get a nice one from the man himself. And I mean, who, look, who wouldn't throw in ten dollars to the two point oh? I want to see you get slapped in the face, fuck. <laughs> Oh, man, I'd pay $20 to see those motherfuckers get slapped by Ben. Exit love strategy 79. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you know what, man? I do remember him from NXT. Um, well, I forgot what they were called. It started with R, but uh, it's not coming back to me right now. But It's irrelevant because right. now they're 2.0. The fact that they you don't remember their NXT names, the fact that you don't remember what they did in NXT, like that's what they're going for. They don't want you to remember that. They just want you to know <laughs> that's where these two dickheads came from and they're going to get beat up. Like that's that's all you need to know about 2.0. I love it. It just there's one annoying thing. I don't know what the guy with the shorter hair, the the skinnier one his name is, I don't have a clue, right? But he reminds me of... Jobber number two who gets beat up on a weekly basis. That's that's well, his name, Jobber number two. There's Jobber I number one and Jobber number two. I just want to know if he's Daniel's mother or father in this whole situation. Like, oh, God. Like, oh, no. Who's doing what role? How much of it, how much of it oh, is them throwing shade at NXT for the whole Garganos thing with Johnny and Candice and Austin Theory? And so it's just, this is incredibly corny. This is incredibly stupid. We're doing this intentionally for it to be incredibly corny and incredibly stupid to kind of throw shade at NXT who's just doing incredibly corny and it's not supposed to be coming across incredibly stupid it just does absolutely i mean 100 percent. they're so throwing shade at nxt it ain't funny i mean just look at their name right 2.0 i mean look man i didn't well, even I... think of that until right this very second when you <laughs> said it and that is freaking hilarious <laughs> really well there you go i mean their name says it all right i mean shit <laughs> 2.0 Braun Breaker. That's all I got to say, man. 2.0 I mean, Braun Breaker. They are NXT 2.0, and here are all the entire AEW roster beating them up because they suck. That is the narrative <laughs> that AEW is putting out. There. 
Absolutely. Just, just one last thing from this. Um, today they were wearing the Nasty Boys uh, jackets. So there you go. One more callback to this whole ridiculous 2.0 thing where look at the colors. We have <laughs> colors now. <laughs> Punk did actually call that out. He did say about the the Nasty Boys jackets. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, they look they're all right, man. For jobbers, they're entertaining. I'll give them that much, man. I just don't I just can't figure out if it's if this is supposed to be a a gay sort of like a machismo gay sort of storyline or like some weird like I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know why Daniel Garcia AEW though. They have the young bucks. Oh, that's right. This is this that's right. <laughs> this sounds like a BTE thing to me. You know, and I just Cody told me I don't have to watch BTE anymore. So I don't. Well, look, I've been watching it lately. Yes, I'm guilty of actually watching it lately. I just have, just by pure coincidence, the only thing that's going on with them and BTE is one of them, the chubbier one, is the BTE champion. You know how they play those games on, on Being the Elite for, for a belt? You don't know? None of you guys? Well, they've got a Being the Elite championship, right? Yes, they actually have a championship. And... And they defend it playing, uh, <laughs> it could be drinking games, it could be uh, bowling, it could be skateboarding, whatever the fuck it is. It could be just sprinting. Jimmy T, this is episode one, and I, you keep talking about this shit, and there might not be an episode <laughs> two. We're not doing BTE. I'm not watching it. Cody told me I don't have to. Yeah, missing out on shit, bro. Put it that way. Well, instead, I, I'm missing out on Dante Martin. Leo Rush and Matt Seidel backstage. And it sounds like next week we're going to get Matt Seidel versus CM Punk on Rampage. I'm looking forward to that. I think Matt Seidel is a fantastic talent. I'm looking forward to seeing what he and Punk can do together. Uh, Jimmy T, I guess my first question is, uh, so Dante Martin has evidently taken up Leo Rush on his little business proposal. For some reason, Matt Seidel was there, but... <laughs> In, in a span of about 20 seconds, Matt Seidel went from, why is Leo Rush here? I don't like Leo Rush. I don't trust Leo Rush to Leo Rush is my manager. He just booked me in the biggest match of my freaking career against CM Punk on TNT. So, I mean, like, Matt Seidel and Leo Rush, that's a thing now, I guess? Dude, this bothered me, this segment, big time. I even wrote down on my notes, why is Seidel acting like he's a rookie? Especially considering his face punk in <laughs> that, the past. That young upstart, Matt right. I was like, really, man? Like, really? Like, I don't know, man. It is what it is. It's not. It's it's nothing new. Sure, they haven't been in the ring together for quite a few years. But come on, man. Did we, did he really have to act like that? And I'm a fan of Sidell's, but he just seems so corny and cheesy in AEW, man. Well, you I know dare say Evan Bourne was much better. Well, you know, Chris, it's kind of funny to me you, when... The, the, all the reports are out there that they wanted to bring Adam Cole to either Raw or SmackDown and turn him into Keith Lee's manager. And the AEW fans are just like, oh, my God, how stupid are you? And now AEW has brought in Leo Rush to be a manager, evidently, for Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. Um, so we've got the Legion of Dragons <laughs> and now it seems as though we have Leo Rush, Matt Seidel and Dante Martin. We start in another faction here. I mean, here's my biggest problem with Leo Rush and what they're doing with him at this point. Um, he's basically just like, he's basically just 
like you'll you'll forgive the pun here, but he's version 2.0 of Money Matt Hardy. I don't understand <laughs> right? what is the difference between him and Matt Hardy right now. They're both guys who focus on entirely on the money, and I can get you opportunities <laughs> and come to me, and we'll get you money opportunities, and you'll you'll make money, and you'll make money, and you'll make money. Well, there weren't two million dollar mans for fuck's sakes. Like this whole <laughs> this whole thing is like. It, well, Leo Rush is a talented kid. He can really he can cut a hell of a promo, um, and in the ring he actually he's a great wrestler too. Like for like for what he does, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the way that they, that that he works, but I mean he's tal he's talented. You know what I mean? And he can do something. But you basically just brought him in, and you were like, uh, yeah, like uh, maybe. Maybe here's an idea that we could do with them. Uh, what if we bring him in and his entrance music is uh, is Cult of per Personality? Yeah, and he can come out and he can and he can be the leader of a faction and he can call himself uh, Leo Punk because it's just like, what are you doing? You're just you just have another fucking character that's the exact same fucking character you got on the same goddamn show. The the thing I don't get about Leo Rush Jimmy is he. When, if you just see Leo Rush like inside of a vacuum, you would think that he was like the best pro wrestler in the world. And then you realize that he's like five foot one and he weighs like 160 pounds. And somehow he makes Matt Seidel look like a monster. <laughs> I mean, like how small you got to be to make Matt Seidel look like a freaking monster. You either got to be like, I'm looking forward to Leo Rush versus um, uh, Marco Stunt. Like, Ugh. is, is that what we're going to do here? Because like, <laughs> I like Leo Rush, but I mean, damn, we thought Rey Mysterio was small and Rey Mysterio looks like a freaking kaiju next to Leo Rush. <laughs> yeah, Leo Rush is tiny, dude. He really is. And man, I don't know what 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 uh, like Tony Khan sees in him. Hey, sure, he's a great athlete and one of the best cruiserweights around on this planet, for sure. But man, you can't trust this guy, dude. He's had a you know a bit of a shady past with not showing up, retiring, and then coming back, retiring again. And sure enough, AEW have re-signed him as well again. I don't know isn't why. The, isn't kind of the rip on Leo Rush that he has you know, big dog syndrome? Like he, he's, <laughs> a, he's a chihuahua who thinks that he's, you know, a pit bull. <laughs> Absolutely. 100% spot on, Jago. Well said. Chris, any thoughts on Leo Rush and, and his potential in AEW going forward? Is he just going to be a manager that gets beat up and then every once in a blue freaking moon he, he goes and busts out like some... Is he going to be Reggie in AEW? <laughs> I mean... I kind of feel like, you know, like we had a conversation, uh, Jimmy and I did, about like what to do with Leo Rush. And Jimmy said, well, why don't you have a cruiserweight division in AEW? And my response to that is like, okay, but then That's, everybody can be in the, the cruiserweight division. I was going like, to say, isn't that the AEW World Championship? Isn't that the <laughs> cruiserweight division? Like, like, what are we talking about? So it's it, – and the thing is, is like, I don't know. For me, as a guy who – I, you know, I did combat sports, right? I boxed for 15 years of my life, right? I did, you know, mixed martial arts training. I've, I've, I've done that kind of stuff. And so when I see people who are legitimately, you know, 200 pounds heavier than the other guy getting the shit kicked out of them, it's like, no, this, this not, this is not how it works. There's a reason why there are such a thing as, as weight classes. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so 
you can bring him in. You can do him. You can have him do some stuff. And I'm sure that you know if you put him next to the young bucks, he'll look totally fine. But I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't really see what you do with this guy other than he is good on the microphone. He can cut a solid promo. But just give him something other than Money Matt Hardy 2.0. I don't. I don't yeah. understand why. It would be like if I came on here and I was like, "Hi, I'm I'm the doctor. You can call me the doctor." And I, you know, I, I love Japanese wrestling too. And I'm I'm a big <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks fan. It's like no, like there's already somebody out there who does that. Get your own shit. Well, I just want to say, to be fair to Rush, right? He was having that managerial gig before Money Lashley, Matt Hardy. Lashley. Exactly. <laughs> so to be fair. He can turn around and say he was doing this shit before Matt Hardy, right? So it is what it is, man. But if that's what he's going to be, then what was the point of signing him up, man? Like, in my opinion, I don't think he fits in AEW. But then again, who am I to judge? Maybe he does, right? I mean, there is a lot of cruiserweights in the heavyweight division. So it is what it is. Well, I I look forward to his matches against... uh Joey Janela on AEW Dark. Uh, Let's talk about the acclaimed. The acclaimed fall to the Lucha Bros. Uh, But this match only goes about six minutes. Uh, CM Punk gets 14 minutes on this show. The Lucha Bros, the AEW World Tag Team Champions, beat their number one contenders in, in six minutes. The Lucha Bros undefeated in 2021. Um, I, I guess to me, the interesting thing about this was what did not air, uh, uh, during this match, because I, I talked to somebody that was actually at this show in Philadelphia and I guess the acclaimed damn near got booed out of the freaking building, um, because of the, they brought up the Ben Simmons thing, right? For, for, for those who aren't keeping up, Ben Simmons basically is refusing to play for the Philadelphia 76ers and the Philadelphia 76ers are delusional in thinking what Ben Simmons is actually worth. Uh, so we're having a hard time getting the trade going here. Uh, but evidently there was a um, uh, let's go Brandon chant at uh, the, the, the show. And I was curious how they were going to chant uh, edit this for, for those who aren't keeping up uh, instead of, uh, you know, fuck Joe Biden. It was fuck Ben Simmons was uh, echoing throughout the arena in Philadelphia. And they had to do some uh, selective editing in order to uh, make sure that this didn't uh, bleed through. And, I, I, I don't know, guys. I The acclaimed, I, I cannot take these guys seriously, but I need more Lucha Bros on my TV. You know, like six minutes for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. You you think if the Young Bucks were still holding those titles that this match is going six minutes? I mean, for the love of God, can we push Ray Phoenix and freaking Pentagon Jr. already? What are we doing, Jimmy T? Well, first of all, they are the tag champs, so I mean, <laughs> what more? How high? How much higher do you want to push him? But in saying that, Six I'm a big it, it, man. I mean, the Punk match took what 20 minutes? twenty minutes? Twenty minutes only for, for for the whole segment. It was twenty minutes. Wow. Okay, all right, because it felt like half the show. But <laughs> I'm a big fan of Max Caster, dude. I see a lot of like talent in him, man. I mean, at first I didn't I didn't like him at all. I hated his raps. But now I'm actually fucking loving his raps, man. I think he's a funny dude. The dude has got loads of charisma. Just go on his YouTube page 
And believe me when I tell you, you'll be impressed. Especially, he's got a lot of songs, right? He does, like, music. But all his songs are literally about a wrestler, which is freaking hilarious, dude. The shit he says, it is funny, dude. Like, and he's got a show on, um, on TMZ, dude, doing raps every Friday, like the morning raps. It's pretty fucking cool, man. He's cool. But... Uh, wait, wait. Uh, are we supposed to think that his raps are good? No, they're just funny, dude. For me, they're entertaining, you know what I mean? The because shit he says is pretty hilarious to me. To me, he feels like John Cena 2.0, like going back 20 <laughs> years. I think he's better than Cena, dude, because he's way more controversial, man. I mean, and the shit he says, he says it with just such venom, like he means it. But but when I say venom, not like in a mean way, but more like, you know, you bully in high school or whatever, just giving you shit, just, just hanging shit, man, and... I think he does that pretty well. Unfortunately for him, I don't know where AEW and where his ceiling is, you know what I mean? Because he's not young. I thought he was a kid, but he's really actually 32, 33. So, I mean, he's coming up with in age, dude, but they make him seem like a kid. But uh, as far as the Lucha Brothers go, I mean, they are the tag champs. They're just cruising right now, man. I, I don't even know if even Tony Khan knows what to do with them, let alone the Bucks. You, it, as we're talking about hip hop and pro wrestling, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, The Rock dropping a new single. How about that? <laughs> the Rock featured doing a verse on a Tech Nine single, and it's absolute freaking fire. The Rock was trending on Twitter today. Really? One take, you do, it's fire. It's insane. No. It's like, is there anything that The Rock can't do? Like, it. it He's better than John Cena, even at rapping. Chris, did you hear the new freaking Tech Nine single? Yeah, I took a listen. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I thought it was good. I thought it was actually really good. The thing with rap, right? You know, you really, as long as you got somebody else writing for you, you know, you can you can sound pretty cool. And that's sort of the the general point of hip hop is to sound pretty cool. But the really great hip hop artists, like you know, obviously you got a Wu Tang shirt on right now. Jimmy, Jimmy, and I have talked plenty about good hip hop. Like if you can't write, you're not a great MC. And uh, you know, who is the Rock in terms of rap? I'm pretty sure he's just doing this as a fun little thing to do. Um, but yeah, it's ridiculous. Every time I see the Rock do anything, he's absolutely fucking great at it. It's like, dude, can you just suck at something? Please and tell us about an investment that went bad. I'm honestly worried that the XFL is going to become the biggest fucking thing in the world because he put <laughs> some money in it. Well, Jimmy T, you know, we, we, we talk over on hitting the marks and, and soon to be the blow off. You know, we talk about the NWO quite a bit, you know, and what's going on down in Australia. Um, how long until Dwayne Johnson is just like, you know, the, the vice chancellor of the world? <laughs> Not long, dude. I mean, he's loved everywhere, man. I mean, he even used to live down here too, man. And he and he's got a house down like up here or down here, like when he does his movies. So I mean, he literally is the man of the world and the man of the hour. I mean, he I do see him. The CFL just to bring it all. That's the way true. I, that's that's one hundred percent true. He, this Canadian guy, man. That other Canadian guy, seriously. <laughs> but in saying that, man. Um, look, man, the, I think The Rock will become president in the future. I truly believe that. I really do. What else What else could he not do? I mean, it, it's insane. I mean, he, he's the freaking Rock. It's, <laughs> he's a Rock. 
I mean, you know, what do you, does this mean we can get tech nine to be like the security of defense? Because sign me up for that. Like, let's give all the gangsters all the guns. I mean, we're arming the Taliban. Every member of the Taliban gets 27 guns. We're going to make Tech 9 the freaking Secretary of Defense. We're going to have the, we're going to send the Bloods to Afghanistan. We're going to send the Crips over to Russia. We're going to hey. freaking NWO too sweet, you know? Dude, dude, dude. You know what, man? I've seen clips of Bloods and Crips in Afghanistan. I kid you not, man. Look it up, man. I swear to you guys, these guys were like full-on California gangbangers. It makes sense. It makes sense. They're trying to get down on the opium trade. Dude, they're shooting at Taliban, <laughs> acting full cheat up. It is the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life, dude. And they're not there to fucking fight for the States or, or anything like that. They're, they're, they're there to fight fucking for shoot. the poppies is what they're yeah, there to well, fight hey, for. Whatever, man. They just want to fucking blast away, dude. And that shit is a real thing. I'm surprised that hasn't come out, but it's been like that for years, man. There's legit fucking gangsters fighting in Afghanistan for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's go, Brandon. You know? Let's go. Brandon. <laughs> uh, Hangman Page is back. They ran a little bit of a video package there. Not a whole lot to talk about that hasn't been talked about already over on our, our friends over at Light the Fuse and, of course, the Wednesday night skirmish over at the PWC. We also get the announcement of the TBS Championship, which might be the dumbest thing that I've seen AEW do so far. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm all for them having, you know, two women's championships. I'm all for a mid-card women's championship. But you only got about three women in your women's division that are worth a damn to begin with and now you got two freaking divisions to book like I, I think this is just a terrible decision chris any thoughts on the tbs championship yeah so we talked about this on the skirmish this week and i said like oh you know this is great they've got a you know now they've got a mid-card title for for all of their super polished women that they have on this roster who are just great in the ring and great on promos and but they just can't possibly break through that glass ceiling that they have there because of all of the great main event women that they have. Like, what the fuck is going on here? It's like somebody, it's like somebody legitimately went to like a wrestling promotion where there are like six people wrestling and they went, you know what this place needs? More fucking belts. Like, <laughs> Hashtag no more belts. I'm all over that. Um, but the, the probably my line of the week from all of professional wrestling was on Dynamite when Jade Cargill said that she was going to win the TBS championship and it'll be that bitch show. I love that. Like, Jade Cargill has already won the TBS championship as far as I am concerned. And I, I think it was a little bit of foreshadowing Jimmy T. They come out of this promo to Jade Cargill defeating Sky Blue in about two and a half minutes. Jade is the number one contender to Britt Baker. She's undefeated. And we would see Thunder Rosa come out as, as Jade is putting the beat down on Sky Blue. Thunder Rosa versus Jade Cargill. I can get down with that because Thunder, we're, we're going to see if Jade Cargill has got it, right? Because Thunder Rosa can make anybody look freaking good. Jimmy T, I guess my question to you is this where Jade Cargill's undefeated streak comes to its conclusion? And, uh, and we, we actually push Thunder Rosa and, and make her the first TBS champion because I, I, I think you want somebody that you can look back on fondly and say, that's who I want to be the first champion before Jade Cargill turns it into that bitch show. Well, 
I'm a huge fan of Thunder Rosa, right? I really am. But in saying that, I don't think Jade Cargill should lose to Thunder Rosa, man. I think, I think so? nah, man. Let her keep rolling and steaming through everybody. Because if you notice, Thunder Rosa should be pushed more towards the top of the card, right? In my opinion, she's one of the top three, four females in AEW, in my opinion, right? Agreed. Right? So in saying that, though, she's willing to take a lot of losses too, man. And I think it makes more sense business-wise for Cargill to actually win, man. Because if you if she loses, man, I think it takes her mystique a little bit away. I kind of like how she's crushing every bitch, quote-unquote, out there. <laughs> Chris, what do you think? Like, do, do you put Jade Cargill over Thunder Rosa to give her that extra little layer of credibility and then we can kind of rebuild Thunder Rosa so we can build up to Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker at like, I don't know, double or nothing? I think that's exactly the right booking um, because I think that it, it's a little bit, it's a little jarring for wrestling companies if your main champion and your undercard champion are both heels at the same time. I think that that can get pretty samey feeling. You know, we had that with WWE for a while there where I think there was like a seven or eight month run there where literally every champion they had was a heel. And that was something that, you know, even people who pay attention to WWE um, recognized as being way too samey, which, I mean, if the WWE fans are saying, hey, this is too samey, it's definitely too goddamn samey. Um, but yeah, for me, I think that Jade is one of these people who, like a Miro, uh, I think that that title is going to elevate her quite a bit. And I don't know if she's a good wrestler yet, but I do know she's a fucking great performer. Yeah. Um, her facial animations that she that she has, the way that she just moves, she exudes confidence. When she hits somebody, it looks like she's trying to hurt them. I really, really want to see what uh, they can get out of Jade Cargill. And I'm with you on Thunder Rosa being able to get a good match out of her. I think that Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb are the two women that AEW has who are just lights out in terms of you're going to get a good match from these two women. Yep. I just want to say, like, what I forgot to mention about Thunder Rosa, the reason why I think it's better for her to lose against Cargill is because I think Rosa is better for, like, in the, she's better in the chase. I think build up a little bit of a chase with her towards Britt Baker. You can even build it up for the next three, four months. You know what I mean? I think give her her, her time and her like, you know, her her big sort of destiny match and win the title. You know, in about four months, say. I think she's just she'll come across better in the chase, man, and she'll get even more over by doing it the hard way. But that's just me. Okay, so, so now we get to what I think was the biggest story on this show and, and kind of the reason that I skipped over the Hangman video package, right? Uh, it was announced we are doing a world title eliminator tournament, right? And, and this is going to be for the championship match at full gear. Um, the last time I checked, Hangman Page just won that ladder match. He gets a shot at Kenny Omega. That's not happening at full gear? When is this match happening? <laughs> wow. So what when they announced it, when they announced the, the ladder match, they did say they'll get a title shot somewhere down the line. So 
almost the same stipulation that they had with the first World War Three match or the second World War Three match in WCW, where it was they're going to get a title shot somewhere, but we don't know because like right now we're just frantically trying to book this next month, which we already have figured out. So somewhere you're going to get a title shot. Um, they definitely could have done a better job of explaining that. And I'm with you. I don't like the idea of multiple chases at once unless you can actually bring it together in storyline. Otherwise, it just gets very like, well, hang on. We're watching this match and we already know what's going to happen because the real story is between Hangman and Kenny. So, Jimmy T, I am terrified that this is going to end up Brian Danielson wins this tournament and somehow this ends up Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson in a triple threat at full gear. I don't want to see that. I don't want it triple threat. I don't I don't want Hangman to pin Brian or vice versa coming out of this to take the title off of Kenny. Somebody needs to beat Kenny clean. This needs to be a one-on-one match regardless of what way you want to go, but I'm terrified they're going triple threat. You know what, Jago? I think you're right, dude. I think they are going triple threat because they're going to milk the Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega match for as much as they can, dude, because they're going to let that stretch, man. You know, but the, the thing is, what was the point of Hangman winning that match? And that was a brutal match on Dynamite. You know what right. I'm saying? So why, why put him through that just to go through this? It just does not make any sense, man. Like, this is just silly to me. I mean, again, this is going to make the fans kind of turn. And if they're not careful, we might get a Daniel Bryan situation, but actually turn it onto Bryan Danielson if you get my drift. Because maybe the fans are going to get sick and tired of Bryan Danielson and just maybe they'll start, you know, pushing for Hangman to get the big one. Chris, is this how we turn uh, Bryan Danielson heel? Does Brian Danielson take this moment away from Hangman Page? He he takes the one-on-one match away from Hangman Page. He takes the title win from Hangman Page, and the the crowd kind of turns against Brian. Like, is is this all part of the grand master plan for the heel American Dragon and the Legion of Dragons? Um, I hope not. Um. Here's the thing, right? There's two different ways that you can sort of book this moving forward. You could do the preaching to the choir thing, right? Which is where you do that, right? You have the turn where Daniel Bryan's, you know, the bad guy. Sorry. Bryan Danielson. That's going to take me a little while. (laughs) I swear to God. Um, But where the American Dragon turns and he's the bad guy and he's, he's keeping Adam Page from getting what he truly deserves, right? And to me... That is the uh, preaching to the choir booking because that's exactly what the AEW fans want to see. They, you know, that's what that's what's going to get the AEW fans, you know, chanting even louder in the buildings. Here's the problem: you, you can do one of two things moving forward here with this story. You can either preach to the choir, or you can turn the fuck around and try preaching to the rest of us. Okay, because what was the best number that AEW did? since they started it was 1.4 that was their first fucking week they have never gotten back to that level even with cm punk coming back so you can keep preaching to the aew crowd if you want 
and it'll keep slowly going down, right? Or slowly, maybe it'll come up even, right? But if you want to start preaching to the actual, like, people like me who were huge fans of wrestling during the Monday Night Wars and then just fucking disappeared because wrestling got really fucking predictable and samey, if you want to get guys like that back, then you need to push Brian Danielson to the moon because he's the guy who when you're flipping through, if you're a wrestling fan, you go, oh, I know this fucking guy. I love this fucking guy. This guy came back from a from his fucking head being broken for two fucking years, right? This guy's awesome. And look at how he's wrestling. This guy's fucking fantastic. So unless Danielson's going to like seriously tone down his shit and go really fucking in on heel, I don't think it'll work. And I think doing that is the wrong business decision. That's just my my personal opinion. It seems like Tony Khan's MO to me is he really likes the slow burn heel turn. And we see people kind of at like different phases of the slow burn heel turn. Like we have Cody is almost complete at this point. Um, you have the CM Punk thing that I've been on ever since he was on commentary the first week and calling the fans morons, right? Now now we kind of got this slow burn heel turn potential with Brian Danielson. I, I like that. Like we, we have, but they're all at different stages inside. Oh, and Christian. Christian's the other one who's about three quarters of the way through the slow burn heel turn until he turns on, on Jungle Boy, right? Like th- that's clearly what's going to happen at some point. Jimmy T, does all of this work for you? Is it, does everything kind of line up? It like, or are we starting to see a little bit of a pattern inside of Tony Khan's booking? Definitely a pattern, dude. You can definitely see a pattern. And you know what, man? As far as Brian Danielson goes, I would love to see Dick Danielson. I mean, that's what we're getting pretty much now, right? He's a dick. Like seriously, he really right. is. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, for real, he's he's been acting like a dick in AEW in many Keep your ways, right? Head in. Right, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Christian, another one, definitely is going to turn. I've called that months ago. I can just see it; it's happening, like one hundred percent. But but the thing is, with TK, you know, booking Booker of the Year and all that bullshit aside. I don't mind what he's doing, but at the same time, it's very predictable, man. And and he's and he's starting to like, you know, you can see the patterns in TK's way of booking. So it is what it is, man. But we'll see what happens. Speaking of patterns that suck, um, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, Mark Henry. Now let's get to your main event. Um, I hate these promos, these split screen promos with Mark Henry in the middle every week. They feel so freaking fabricated and phony and it is not good. I understand the concept that like you're trying to do like the old school, like studio show thing where each competitor is getting like a 30 second promo before the match, but they they were pre-tapes, they were backstage this is not working. The, the, this is not working for me at all. Well, like Chris said earlier, how it's a, it's they're basically copying Saturday night's main event, man. That's exactly the format they're going with, with, with the main event being twist. first. With a modern twist, but it's very much reminiscent of Saturday night's main event, no doubt about it. But Mark Henry, man, I mean, Ugh. Jesus Christ, is he bad? Jesus I mean, he's good. so bad. Like what the, like what happened to him, man? He wasn't that bad on the mic when he was the the silverback, right? You know, Hall of Pain. 
He's Mark not Henry. that bad. I mean, I, I listened to him on Busted Open, and right, I mean, like, right. Mark's great. It's just like it's it's like the red light comes on for the TV show, <laughs> and he just goes into okay, I have to play sports announcer now, and yeah. stop playing sports announcer and just be freaking Mark Henry. He's very monotone. Chris, what do you think? Uh, Jimmy T, you uh, you've got a match tonight, and uh, you're gonna. Uh, <laughs> that is almost worth releasing the video for, ladies and gentlemen. Just, just we're gonna. Th- we're th- if this is not a video show at this point, it's gonna have to become one, just so we can get that other Canadian guy's impression of Mark Henry on a weekly basis on this show. Like that is freaking fantastic. That's money. That's where the money is. That other Canadian guy as Mizark Henry. <laughs> Oh, Can we get away with that in 2021, Jago? Nope. Mizak Henry had no nope. chance. Only a channel attitude, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Philly street fight. It's Ricky Starks versus Brian Cage for the unsanctioned, but we love it, FTW championship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, this match drove me absolutely insane. Because the entire match, I knew what was going to happen. It's a Philly street fight. Brian Cage is out there by himself. And, of course, Ricky Starks is a member of Team Taz. We knew that Hook was coming in. We knew that Hobbs was going to come in. I'm surprised Taz didn't come in and put on a Kati Hatsume just to pop the freaking <laughs> crowd in Philadelphia. But the you know what really pissed me off in this match? Ricky Starks grabs a lead pipe... And slugs Brian Cage in the hip with it like three or four freaking times. And Brian Cage just pops up and no sells it. Hit him in the hip with a lead freaking pipe. And Jimmy T, we talked about this on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, hittingthemarks.com. Um, this is Brian Cage just doesn't get it. Like he has all the tools in the world. He has all the athleticism in the world. He even has about, you know, that much charisma, which is all you need inside of the world of professional wrestling. He just doesn't get it. He really doesn't get it. Like he really doesn't. And I've never been a fan of his, but I'll give him one thing. Tonight he came across a little more enthusiastic. You know what I mean? Like angry, should I say, when he came out. But make no mistake about it, man. This dude is a freaking dummy, straight up. <laughs> He's just a dummy. You know what I mean? He's just a dopey bozo. You know what I'm saying? Or the other possibility, Chris, maybe Ricky Starks is a pussy. And Ricky Starks hitting you in the hip with a lead pipe like three times doesn't hurt at all because Ricky Starks is such a pussy. Is that what the narrative they were trying to put over? Because that's what I got from it. I mean, honestly, this whole match was just silly. Like, you've got a guy who outweighs the other guy by 100 pounds. <laughs> One of these guys right. is a body guy, right? And the first thing that Cage sold was the butt of a pool stick getting whacked into his gut 
and he sold it like he just got shot in the stomach. <laughs> well, did, like, if you didn't you see Ricky start, he lined it up like it was a pool shot. He, like he was very distinct. Yeah. He was very distinct yeah. of where he was trying to hit Brian Cage because he knew he knew from his training days when Cage was in Team Taz that there's this one spot about this big around. It's the reset button on the machine. Right, right. Yeah, I, like. I'll tell you what, like speaking about Brian Cage, you know, Jimmy's going to Jimmy's going to laugh at this joke, I'm sure, because it's a joke we've been doing on uh, on the skirmish. But like, can I just tell you, like Brian Cage, you need to learn this one phrase from professional wrestling history. OK, and it's something that people have said for a very long time and they've been very successful by saying it, even though they get a lot of hate for it. OK, you need to learn how to say this one sentence, Brian Cage. That doesn't work for me, brother. (laughs) Brother, what are you fucking doing? You look like a million bucks. You've got some charisma. You can go in the fucking ring and you are jobbing in AEW. You are a fucking jobber, dude. You just lost to Starks. The last fucking match you had that anybody remembers, you lost to fucking Darby Allen, and you couldn't even get a two count in that fucking match. You had a 20-minute match, and you couldn't even get a fucking near fall. Bro, <laughs> your fucking business. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's right. On, on top of you know that doesn't work for me, brother. The other the other thing that I, I feel like Brian Cage needs to do, he needs to like go backstage one of these days and just like go walking up to Arn Anderson and say, Arn, don't shoot me. Will you please teach me how to be a professional wrestler? Shit. You know what well, I mean? Like, uh, but I mean, make sure Arn doesn't pull out his Glock and pop a cap in your in your machine ass. But be like, or or maybe Tully, maybe Tully's a little bit safer to go around. He's not as trigger happy as Arn. Just go up to Tully and be like, "Can you teach me how to be a pro wrestler?" Please. Well, I just I want to say, God rest his soul. But Canyon was his mentor, dude. Who better than Canyon, bro? Fucking Nobody. everybody, according to the booking, I, like. <laughs> Yeah, Canyon Canyon didn't learn the that doesn't work for me, brother, either. I mean, unfortunately, I, I always thought Canyon was a hell of a talent, but me I mean, too. Like, I wish, it, or, or maybe Sting. I mean, like, just get get a hold of one of these old guys and be like, I'm gonna drive for the next year if you will ride in my car, and and just like, <laughs> will you please teach me how to be a professional wrestler? Because Cage just doesn't get it. He has all the tools to be a world heavyweight champion. And he yep. just doesn't get it. I mean, maybe we can get a Blade Runners 2.0 with Sting and Cage. Hey, I'd be down for that. Doing the Yano thing. Cool. I mean, hey, why not? Two green badasses, bro. But not Sting. But I mean, you know, Blade Runner Sting. <laughs> Blonde hair crew cut Sting. That was That's thing. it, man. That but not the surfer. <laughs> Absolutely. So, guys, I believe that brings us to the end of our first episode of Rampage Uncaged. We ran about as long as the show that we were going to review, so I guess that's no uh, real big surprise. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap things up for this week. You can find me across social media platforms at NotJargo. Of course, a bunch of, of announcements coming at MichaelJargo.com, HittingTheMarks.com over the course of the next couple of days. Uh, we, of course, we're representing two hemispheres in Canada. The other Canadian guy representing in Canada, Mr. Chris Ams. Why don't you go ahead and put over your social media, brother, and uh, we'll, we'll let you get out of here. 
Yeah, just go ahead and follow me on Twitter. Uh, that's basically all I'm doing right now because I don't want to talk to any of you people on Facebook. Um, <laughs> for real, though, it's at ChrisAms1. Uh, go ahead and follow me. Uh, if you like anything that I had to say tonight, uh, I have lots of similar things to say. Because, uh, yeah, what the fuck is going on with professional wrestling? And if you don't like what he's got to say, get at him on Twitter. We all love hate mail. Uh, G-A-G yeah. from the PWC, the man down under, Mr. H-M-G, the band, Jimmy T. See, that Castor ain't got shit on me. Why don't you go ahead and put over your socials, bro? That rhymed, too. That that did rhyme, Max actually. Castor ain't got shit on me was part of the fucking rhyme scheme. God damn it, Charlie. <laughs> that was fucking great. I'm a motherfucking professional, and the Wu-Tang Clan still ain't nothing to fuck with. They definitely ain't nothing to fuck with. But you can find me on... On social media by just typing DJ Massifix for just me. Or you can type the PWC and we're there too, man. So, man, I'm just glad we're on. It's a new beginning. It's a new chapter. HMG all the way, dude. We will talk to you next week right here on Rampage Uncaged. For now, we're off of the front. See ya.